2: Hello, welcome to episode 151 of the Squareball Podcast. I'm Dan Moylan. Here's Michael Normanson. Hello. And this is Moscow White. Daniel Chapman. Hello. Issue two for our of our fanzine came out for the Derby game. We've got um, issue three out for the centenary game after the break against Birmingham. You can pick up both of those uh, via the website and you can still get hold of a subs- uh, subscription for the whole season as well. We will post them to your door. Or if you fancy it, you can read them online. Completely up to you. Also do check out the navy blue Leeds Carajo hoodie, which can go nicely with your mug as we head towards these chilly autumn months. That's the hard sell over with. Right, let's get on with it. It's all at thesquareball.net. Well, we did uh, pile into the referee from uh, Millwall extensively on the Matchball podcast, but do we have any further reflections on his abilities, both as a professional and as a man?
3: (laughs) Shit ref, shit human.
1: (laughs) Rumour is he is a scum fan. From
3: From the the Isle of Man? White. White, either way. One of the Isles. Not (laughs) Manchester. (laughs) Dogs.
1: Well, that's the first thing. That's how you go through the checklist. Are they from Manchester? No. Are they a Man United fan? Yes. So, yeah, the B thing... I just get the feeling he's going to be one of these idiots. If they ask him on soccer AM after he retires, if he's interesting enough, he'll sit there and go, Oh, yeah, you know, uh, did you ever notice that whenever I ref Leeds, I uh, I sent off a player beginning with B, and everybody will go, oh, ha, 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 and never investigate him or correct all the records or go back and reinstate um, so what, all the wrongs that he did, not just in football, but in his life. What is the B thing then for anybody I who pity hasn't? his poor family. Um, his record against Leeds, he has sent off Belushki, Byram, Baridkut, and now Baradi, which I think uh, I tweeted. I think that was why Patrick Bamford had to be taken off Bielsa. Obviously, he probably had somebody on the sidelines who was researching that referee rapidly during the game if they hadn't done it before, um, probably trying to find his home address as to where to send the, um, the pieces of horse.
3: I've been through YouTube as well and looked at these, and they're all a little bit dubious as well. Every single red card... That is a
2: commitment to a grievance. Well done. The,
3: the Belushi one is actually not dissimilar to the, to the Berardi one in that there's a man running into the box and there's maybe contact, maybe not. You can, I mean, it's from it's quite old footage and it's very grainy. But there's, 2014. <laughs> <laughs> well, it looks like it's from Race for the Title VHS. but it Does the YouTube clip of it? It's very grainy, but Balushi's sort of running behind him. He doesn't appear to really grab him. The man goes down. He's very quick to just go red card penalty. There's the the Brid cut one. Is he, well, the first yellow card is shown for something off the ball. I when was he, that? When was that? That was when we played Cardiff in 2016 17. Um, the first one, I think Luke Ayling has taken a foul throw. I was trying to read over some match reports to work out what had happened, and Bridcut says something to the ref, he gets a yellow. Then the second one, Ayling is running into the box, gets fouled in the box, no penalty, they break, the Cardiff player runs past Bridcut, falls down with no contact, second yellow card, off he goes. Um and then there's a Sam Byron one as well, which is also in that Watford game, but there's not any proper clips of that. You sort of see him walking up to someone off the edge of the picture, and that's all you see that was the line that was the linesman anyway.
1: Sam Byron should never be sent off anyway. that's also it's true too cute yeah. Belushki, however, I think that was Belushki's debut for us, wasn't it? We'd finally uh we'd finally got hold of him after all the the toing and throwing over summer when wouldn't sign either Belushki or Liam Cooper because they were both too expensive. And then we started against Millwall with um, Jason Pearce and Scott Wotton. And then within the week, we signed them both. Um, and then Belushki was in, on loan and then became permanent immediately before... I think it was after this game we made him permanent. He came on, <laughs> got sent off, and then we signed him for three and a half million or whatever ridiculous amount of money it was. Yeah. Can, can we pay all of that on Linnington? That we... We may never have signed Belushki if it hadn't been for him. I don't know. It, it seems like a little bit dubious is probably his his middle name.
3: There are a lot in these decisions that, if one of them goes against you, you would say, these things happen. When you look at them all in a 10-minute period, as I did, as a you start bo- thinking, <laughs> as a you of- corrupt fucking bastard. Well,
1: when you look, you can look on... Uh, Which is your opinion
2: and not a statement of fact. The facts
3: are... It's backed up the, by evidence. The facts are in the, in the videos. You go and watch them, people.
1: When you look at his... Uh, his record, you can look up on transfer marks, his record by club, which I have also done. The research is extensive. He's uh, um, he's not sent off more players from any other club apart from Leeds, and he's probably refereed the least. I think it's four in ten, um, which is a lot of red cards to be dishing out. Um, and then he has sent some other, I think it might be Blackburn, he's also sent four of theirs off, but it's in like 20 games. It's it's think should be. Issue. Exactly. And the only time he sent a, a player off against Leeds was a Bristol City player. So it all it all fits the pattern. And Lee Bowyer, another B, is on our side of this. From a year ago, he had uh, Linnington pegged. He made a, a 465 word rant after a Linnington performance, edited highlights including he's a disgrace, he shouldn't be refing, and then claiming that Steve Evans had bullied him. What did he say about Steve Evans? He said he's this big gazer standing on the side bullying fourth official, constantly ramming him. Maybe he's a fried adult now. Maybe was that? They bullied into that. Reminds me a lot of Chris Wilder. That. It's more sober. <laughs> you wouldn't catch Lee you're drunk. Yeah, so he knows all about him.
2: And we also had and, uh, Andrea Radrazani giving his, um, his two penneth and uh, as was echoed by the side eye from the uh, the official
1: Twitter account. I mean, it's all the stuff that is all uh, building up together for the um, the FA, FA completely dismissing our appeal and um, extending Brady's ban, ten games. Why not?
3: And fine for Rajazani And uh, Kiko put something on his Instagram as well, didn't
1: he, with a similar... Um, yeah, it' was fair play. And, yeah. Oh, no, it was a puts, penalty, uh, red card and dubiousness. And he didn't write the word dubiousness. He used an emoji. I can't remember which one. <laughs> it's hard to... Uh, the, the language barriers are difficult enough without trying to work out what his emojis mean. But, yeah, it's all, uh, it's all tangled together as being uh, one of the... Uh, the most unfair decisions of the season, which will um, rebound against us as harshly as every other single unfair decision against Leeds.
2: So a couple of days down the track now then. We're recording on uh, on Tuesday morning. How do we feel about it? Are we still uh, a curled up, tightly uh, sprung ball of fury or are we all right now?
3: I've watched the clip so many times. And I just keep getting more cross about it. To be honest, when and I just about stopped being angry about it, then the club tweeted it with and, and it had it had better angles and it was a bit more slow mo. And then you see the ref slowly coming into shot as well because you sort of think you're almost looking for well, not that I needed to, but I was almost looking for an excuse for the ref at one point, thinking, oh well, maybe he's not had a great view of it. And then there's the view from behind
2: basically, him, basically his view, and you think, no, he's had a perfect view of mm. it, the cheating bastard. Yeah the only mitigation in that and I am just playing devil's advocate is that Berardi cut across his path so has he assumed that Berardi's just clipped his heel but
3: don't assume look at what has actually happened with the player's feet
1: <laughs> yeah and it, you also if you look at the rest of Berardi's uh, body language in that movie he's holding his his arms out he's basically trying to leave him for Phillips to deal with he realizes he's got the wrong side of him he can't do anything so he's arms out stops his run and the whole thing is to pull out and say right I can't do anything Calvin and Kiko, you'll have to deal with this. So that, and that brings in the, the rule that the referee sent him off under, which is um, deliberate foul and stopping a goal-scoring opportunity, neither of which are happening. So he should get it rescinded on that basis alone, never mind. So. get it rescinded. I think his other seven red cards should also be rescinded at this point as well, <laughs> just to make up for it. You've got a goodwill gesture. should go back and say, oh, you know that time that Leon Best uh, broke your nose with his elbow and you got up and pushed him over and he went down like a sack of shit, even though you were wandering around the pitch with a broken face and blood pouring out of it. In retrospect, you shouldn't have been red carded for that. You're down to six now, Berardi. And also, that first one against the Akronton player when you tried to two-foot him in the face... That was hilarious, and so let me just, let me just, we're going to leave you off that one as well. I just want to put something to you here, Moscow,
2: that you've written a book, uh, which we've heard about plenty on this podcast, The 100 Years of Legion United. You've studied yes. our history extensively, plus all our various scrapes with the authorities. What, in your esteemed opinion, makes you think that they will rescind, <laughs> retrospectively, Kitano Barardi's eight red
1: cards? Um, maybe he'll turn up and just act in a threatening manner. Maybe request a personal hearing and just intimidate them into uh, sorting it all out. I'd love to see Barardi with a... A PowerPoint video presentation down there so and this one do you want to talk to me about this and what do we
2: do to counter the charge that we uh, lost 2-1 and there was more to it than than just that incident was that the catalyst for everything or because that second goal was piss week really but then again Ailing's marking the uh the forward isn't he, rather than Berardi. So weirdly. yeah, we didn't
1: have any defenders left or any central defenders. it was only Ben White, um, and we were down at ten, and we hadn't reorganized yet. It's hard to remember anything else that happened in the game. I mean, we had that on uh, Saturday when I I broke the shattering news that Jack Harrison had got the assist, and but it, it, it is all obscured behind that fucking decision. Everything else, and it, it almost. On the one hand, we could be letting the players off with another kind of ropey performance where we've not put away a team that should, by rights, be relegated. But on the other hand, we never win at Millwall. Two, the referee has absolutely ruined this. Three, Leeds didn't do anything different to what they normally do, so it's almost irrelevant talking about it. I would rather go back to... Um, finding that referee's home address and concentrating on that as a subject.
3: (laughs) Which we don't recommend that you do. Should we put the the Crime Watch theme tune as a bed like um, Yorkshire Radio did? (laughs) What about you, Michael? I mean, we still only had one shot on target, didn't we, in the whole game, which is a worry. Because that second half, for all, we did only have 10 men. It really didn't look like it. We were battering them. We had all the ball. And admittedly, if you're trying to break a team down and they're putting everyone in the box, it doesn't help that you have one man less. Mm. So, I mean, it does, it does affect it, but then equally the pattern of play and the lack of opportunities created and chances taken, it does fit with everything we've seen this season already. So yeah. there's, there's certain worrying things in there.
1: It's interesting, uh, Jed Wallace of Millwall's quote after the game where he said, Dan after they went down, I don't know what is, is he. I assume he's a cockney, he's been there long enough. Dan after they went down at 10 men, they brought an extra two on, felt like they was everywhere. Um, which is an interesting insight into what it must be like to play against Leeds you come out of the second half I think right we're a, we're a player up we've got two goals to good this is going to be easy and then you end up having to work as hard um, as if you were playing a top of the table team at full strength with all 11 players um, our ability to do that to teams and kind of push them back so far that all they can do is is just pack the, the penalty area and try and keep us out of there I kind of I ended up Saying in the my report for the Square Ball on uh, Monday that it would almost be easier sometimes if leads were a little bit worse, yeah. if we didn't swarm around teams and we didn't hold them back so thoroughly, and and they thought maybe oh we could get a third goal, so they might actually attack. Whereas instead we're so good, they just go like there is nobody cross the halfway line. You need a good excuse for getting out of our penalty area. Everybody just get back here and stop them from scoring, and everybody works. Really hard, and it's illuminating that um, Barnsley have sacked their uh, their manager this morning after they got their one one win in their cup final. I think they've won another match as well, but yeah, they they were absolutely brilliant against Leeds. Well, um, they didn't win though, did they? And but then, oh, of course they didn't. And then, uh,
3: well, <laughs> they just had a good performance. A defeat defeat's like a
1: win. <laughs> yeah, it is against Leeds. God, yeah, we did beat them, didn't we? <laughs> but they were. The point remains, they were brilliant against Leeds and dog shit against everybody else which is what millwall will be exactly and it's it's what we always happens against us and we use that i think it sounds like we always use it as an excuse every year that like, how can we win when teams try so hard but um it is there it it does happen the
3: strange thing watching the second half of this was that if i could have seen this game almost like white labeled just with team not knowing the teams if i could have just seen the play and uh, the passes and the possession and stuff i would have been watching the whole second half thinking this team are going to score it; they're mm. all over them. But because it was Leeds, mm. I did have it in my head thinking this isn't going to happen. We're just going to we're just going to absolutely batter them for the next half hour or so and
2: get nowhere with it. We've had an interesting point. Well, if you've seen Graham Smith has uh, has tweeted this morning to the effect that uh, if Barnsley had played like they did against Leeds, against everyone else, that would have been all right. And I tweeted back from the square ball, making the point that actually we we see this with every club, though you could say it about Millwall. Uh, And Josh Clarkson's made a good point uh, in this um, chain of replies, saying this was the thing that I thought getting a big-name, experienced manager in would help with. There's a good underlying point there. Surely we should be uh, better than this now with Bielsa. Isn't that the point of Bielsa?
1: Just guess players even more up i mean we've seen it with um with managers as well when gary monk was absolutely delighted that he could put two over on uh bielsa gets his ego going and everybody yeah it's leeds united with one of the it's not just leeds united with fucking dave hockaday or steve evans it's leeds united with one of the world's most famous and respected coaches so of course everybody's going to go and want to beat them we had Last weekend with um, Lee Bowyer in the other dressing room, absolutely bang up for beating Leeds. It's not something I think Bielsa almost makes it worse. Get rid. <laughs> well, on Bielsa,
2: a friend of ours who I'll, I'll remain nameless so as not to attract flack for him said uh, he te- texted me to say our game's gone stale and predictable. Bielsa's got answers to find because without Pablo, this isn't working. A massive Bielsa fan, and he's saying that. Do you agree?
3: The stats do back it up. When you look at chances created and things without Pablo in the team, I did see that it has gone downhill. Admittedly, it's a small sample and it involves one of the games where we were down to 10 men for for the majority of it. I don't know. It seems seems to be a factor. He seems to... Pablo is... As much as we've at points complained this season about him not being on his greatest form, he does still make some nice little through balls and he is still a goal threat, which is lacking when he's not in the team.
2: Still missing a number 10, I was going to ask.
1: Yeah. We've changed yeah, we've changed to adapt to so we're not playing with one um and I think it's maybe a an adaptation to the championship a little bit where instead of having that one player in a, a free role we have two number 8s in midfield click and Foreshaw, who are both supposed to work really hard and be defensive from the front and and keep the ball around the opposition's penalty area. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, how can you argue with the the way we played against Millwall in the second half, what else would have beaten them apart from being worse? That's kind of where I I come from. What what other tactic? Because even if we'd had Pablo Hernandez against Millwall trying to thread through balls into the penalty area, there are still 16 players in there. There's no room for a a through ball. There's no room for invention. And trying to, uh, I think looking for those quick one-twos down the the wings and trying to get to the byline is probably as sensible an option. And the, the number of times we can do that Compared to other teams, is frightening. We are still people switch off when you start to refer to this kind of things. But if you look at the the graphs that experimental three six one make of all of how championship teams are performing, he has to extend the graphs to show how brilliantly Leeds are playing because we are complete outliers in terms of um, how good our attack is and how good our defence is. So yeah, the risk of um, of changing that and saying it's gone stale when it is still productive we've had um, I mean we beat West Brom who are top of the league so it's kind of we're not doing that badly we lost to Charlton and Millwall either side which is the infuriating weird thing but no nothing about the West Brom performance looks stale or predictable or as if it as if nothing was working
2: Man you we, we fall back on that and we said at the time didn't we after it that maybe uh, because it was a more typical championship performance in many ways we were worse and therefore we were better because we were having a kick it long out of defence sometimes and uh, and play on the
1: uh on the back foot a little bit more. Yeah, it's it must be weird. Like the second half against Millwall until Calvin Phillips was taken off, was just like a, a training exercise. Just right, you just we're not using the other half of the pitch. We're just gonna play from the halfway line and it's attack versus defence. And we do that in a lot of games. It's just why the ball isn't going in the back of the net is the is what it all comes down to. And I think on uh, at Millwall in particular it was kind of unique it was because we had only 10 players and they had they had more players in their penalty area than we had on the entire pitch that was a problem
2: so we've established we've got a full blown crisis whilst we have two <laughs> points off the top of the table brilliant
1: well it is I mean that's the other aspect of this is is how wound up you can be when fucking Swansea have lost to Stoke Huddersfield scored three goals in a game the the top of the table is is mad QPR Uh, three points off, and they've got minus one goal difference, they're ninth, but they're, you know, they're a win away from being level on tops with the, level on points with the top of the league. It's, it's a mad, mad decision. It's what Bielsa would call beautiful. It's funny, I think he, he, (laughs) If he hadn't been the manager of us against Millwall, he probably would have absolutely loved that result. Because isn't it fantastic that a team as shit as Millwall can beat a team as beautiful as as Leeds? And these two different styles, as you you're testing them against each other, and only in the Championship can uh, this uh, this inequality of resources be flipped on the on the results. He would absolutely revel in it if it wasn't for the deep. Sorrowful responsibility he feels to the entire uh, city of Leeds and the uh, the, pop- the wider supporting population um, that, that probably will probably all be getting um, individual phone calls over the next uh, twenty years, apologizing for this result. <laughs>
2: We've got another podcast that goes along with this one. It's called The Extra Ball, where we take a dive deeper into topics. We answer your questions and we play silly games as well. This week we are kicking off Championship Manager 0102. We're going back in the DeLorean. We're doing back to the future. We're going to change history, aren't we, boys? We're going to qualify for the Champions League. We're not going to sign Seth Johnson and Robbie Fowler. And everything will work out fine for the next 15 years. That's the, we're not going to play it for 15 years, are we? Just to be We might. We might.
1: Yeah, don't know what else we've got to do. <laughs>
2: thanks to you if you are already subscribing to The Extra Ball if you're not it's two ninety nine a month and uh, check it out for the first month for free on us make sure you like it and the more people that get behind us the more podcasting that we can do so we uh, we ask you we implore you check it out at net forward slash The Extra Ball Ah the sweet sweet smell of injuries ah, it's what we needed just to make it all feel a little bit more settled and
1: like last season Rob Price has probably been a bit bored hasn't he?
2: Luke Haley's back, wasn't it, for
3: for the Millwall game? So that means we're fully fit. I think he was the only injury a couple of weeks ago, wasn't
1: he? One in, one out. That's why Brady had to be sent off as well. That's the other mm. factor. It's like, well, you've got him back, so I don't know why he's still on the pitch. You'll <laughs> have to go.
2: So who've we got out now? Then Pablo with this slight knock that is now running into
1: several weeks.
2: As I mean, it seems, I mean, to. surely he'll be back after the international break. I mean, I'm going to put this on the line now. We need
1: him. <laughs> yeah, he. It was a. Uh, um, they said it was like a, a strain before the game that he he played all of, so it can't be that bad. He came through the whole the whole match. It is a problem. It's something that we maybe um, underrated a little bit against Millwall in particular. That um, Hernandez, Forshaw, and Cooper—they're essentially our three best players. That's the spine of a team going through there. Our most creative, our uh, um, most reliable midfielder in Bielsa's view, and then the captain. Like we were missing three big players. And Baby Shaq not being there was a... Uh, so the the first reserve for either Hernandez or Forshaw wasn't available either. Baby
2: Shaq's birthday today as we're recording this. Just 20. There go the teenage years into those uh, those 20s and the slow decline towards 30 and then 40. Good <laughs> yeah. luck, Shaq.
3: I mean, you're writing him off a bit too soon. We've, I mean, we've established Jack Clark is finished as a player, but Shackleton's fine.
1: No, after all those cracks about what his granddad told him about the Champions League, then um, I hope the ageing process really hits him hard today wakes up in the morning he just looks like neil warnock instantly
2: have you seen there's a tweet during the rounds from his mum who's wishing his uh her son happy birthday i thought she doesn't look old enough she doesn't look old enough to have a 20 year old well she's your age isn't she probably uh, uh may could be yeah, this, yeah there's a lad in my um just for the benefit of the person listening i'm i'm 41 now um and there's a lad who i went to school with you know so you, th- you see people on facebook he's now a grandparent That's that's so
1: lovely. Which is fucking terrifying. (laughs) Maybe that'll be Mama Shackleton's uh, lookout soon.
3: On the injuries, by the way, I know just because I was checking back to make sure we'd not missed any news um, on this and, and Cooper on the 29th of September said... There was a thing on the official website saying, our luck will change the 1st of October, out for six
2: weeks. (laughs) (laughs) And he's absolutely right, It's kind of the way it's going at the moment. It is a little bit. Uh, And this one uh, has quietly sailed under the radar because we've been preoccupied with referees at Millwall, but the whole Kiko racism allegation at Charlton, bubbling away under the surface, this one. A bit unpleasant if it's happened, but uh, as we've sort of hinted at with
1: the, the match ball podcast, we need to let due process play out here, I guess. Yeah, until we know the details, we don't know what opinion to have on it because nobody knows what was said, uh, what happened, what the, re- the outcome's going to be. Either way, and see, there was a, a little bit of info from uh, Millwall's Jed Wallace, again, who said that before the penalty that he took, the keeper got some some mind games going, Asked Jed Wallace, what do you like to drink in the afternoons? How I was and what I might do tonight. What What he likes to drink in the afternoons is an incredible question. That's some real next-level shithousing. What I like to think there
2: is that maybe Kiko's just in the early stages of learning English. So he's picking up those, you know, like, you you know, please can I have the bill? Uh, where is the town hall? How do I get to the toilets? That kind of stuff, you know, your basic level, entry-level uh, Spanish when you're learning. Yeah.
1: So, maybe it is, maybe this whole... Uh, Racism charge balls down. He was yelling at him, I bet you want afternoon tea. See, that's what you you English drink. You you have your eggs and bacon this morning, or what are you talking about? Let's hope you, so. You xenophobic weirdo.
3: But if he if he is found guilty, it's a minimum six game ban, which can potentially be quite a lot more depending on the severity of it. So that's not good.
2: I mean, I've no doubt that's probably what will happen, regardless of what actually happened during the because. Yeah. yeah, and I mean,
3: and if he has done it, then. Fair enough, banning for the season. Not really asked. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Don't no. be a dick. Don't be a racist.
1: Yeah, it's pretty simple. But we need to wait and see because uh, at, at the moment, all we know is that he's asking Millwall players about afternoon drinks. Can we sack him and get him off the wage bill <laughs> if he's found guilty of this? There's always an offside, isn't there?
2: <laughs> I think what you might have just done there is build the case in evidence, you've recorded it, of
1: constructive dismissal. I I don't employ him. Yeah, no HR department can, can touch us. <laughs>
2: uh, Ivan Bravo, he's gone now as well. Stepped down from the board of directors. The, the links to Qatar and the Aspire Academy, something I've never quite deconstructed there, nor understood.
3: Gone to spend more time building his evil empire. <laughs> I'm sure it's not evil, but Qatar <laughs> is a bit evil. So,
1: Well, after the, uh, the Athletics Championships in Doha, I think it needs some fucking work because that was a... A disaster by all uh, accounts nobody in the stadiums even the people that they were forcing to be in the stadiums weren't in the stadiums and um, yeah the whole thing the midnight thing, marathon where people were passing out was a particular success it's just so it, it probably needs a bit of work Um, And he also, he bought that club in Spain last year as well, um, Alcocon. (laughs) Alcocon. (laughs) I love how you can't say that. Um, He's now in charge of them as well. But he does say that um, the avenue to bring in players from clubs he's involved with, or Wuppen in Belgium, Cultural Leonisa and Alcocon, uh, remains open, he says, which is useful because there was still that case of, uh, we signed, as well as uh, Isuki Iriguchi, there was another Japanese player that we... There was kind of a paper trail that said we'd signed him and loaned him to Whoopin. I can't remember whatever happened to him. He was never announced. It was all very strange. There's still, I imagine, the links. I mean, I don't know about the links with Aspire in particular, but there was the other kind of Qatari-like growing children's sports things. It's only the end of last season the players were going around with t-shirts with some kind of um foundation slogan on the front that we were supporting but um but also he's out the window and I I suppose um the fact that uh, Angus Kinnear and um Andre only spent last night um watching a 49ers match posing with a, an old pigskin in the hand and um yelling touchdown and uh, and go redskins no, it's not the Redskins. it's the 49ers. Do they not have some kind of weird racist trope for their badge as well? Um, so they were doing all that stuff, which I guess they never got the. We never saw them out in in Doha cheering on the uh, the old the old local local teams in stadiums full with sixty thousand seats and and not a soul to be seen. So they've uh, yeah they've they've had their heads turned, haven't they? Qatar's not fun anymore. It's all about San Francisco, flowers in the hair and all that stuff.
2: Indeed. Right, Luke Ayling signed a new contract as well. He's pleased. Are we pleased? Yeah,
3: I like Luke. Not as defending at the weekend, but generally speaking, he's, he's, he's a good player and he seems like a good man to have about as well. He seems very popular.
2: And he's quite good at shithousing as well, which I quite like. He's just got that little side to him. Like fall over, win a free kick. He's really good at winding up. Obviously, any play with a ponytail automatically, you know,
1: notches up a shit house level. I mean, he started before he came here. Was he was involved next to that whole piss off a balcony incident at Bristol? So he's always had that in his in his locker. And his uh, his Wikipedia picture is obviously still the the standout, where it's um or was it his no it's his um it's his Pez or FIFA photo that's seen with two black eyes because um, that's how he lined up for the. Uh, the photo call. He's always had a, an entertaining edge. It seems like um, my one slight concern with Luke Haling and Stuart Dallas and uh, Liam Cooper getting these contracts is they do seem to be using leads as a way of slipping into middle age. Because uh, Luke Ailing's saying, My family love it here. This is home for us now. To sign another long deal to take me to 32 is a really nice feeling. Um, and yeah, I think Stuart Dallas is going to be like pushing 40 by the time he leaves. Obviously, Liam Cooper's got his testimonial. Um, nailed down so there is a it's like the Costa del Sol people are going there to retire yeah there's a little hope that this isn't all just like pipe and slippers stuff Um, Luke was saying it's always nice to see the boys get long deals they all did really well last year the club have noticed that we've got our pay rises and our long deals now so we'll just we'll just stop now foot off the gas yeah get fat if Bielsa thinks I'm coming in in the afternoon, he's got another thing coming. He says if if I if I weigh in overweight, apparently I can't train. Well, I see a flaw in that plan, a loophole I can exploit. No,
2: bodes well for uh, like Harrogate Town and Ossett and all those teams when, oh, when they start to go off the uh, off the off the cusp
1: of professionalism into the semi pro game. Bradford City are going to have such a good team in a few years when we're having to loan all these people just to get them off the wage bill. It'll be like the glory days of Weatherall, Haller, Molinar, Hopkins, Sharp. Did anybody else go there? There was tons of them at that time. Everybody went to Bradford, didn't they? Just because they didn't have to move house. It's like what Barnsley had been doing this season with um, Wilkes and Halmy and uh, Mowit and Mowat. Um, Wilkes,
3: uh, Wilkes might move house next summer. <laughs> <laughs> to a, a bigger house.
1: A big house. A very big house. <laughs> um, very secure. I'm I'm sure that Ailing and Cole will continue to put all the effort in. They're good pros. I'm happy they're staying. I'm uh, yeah, I just hope they don't um, relax
2: <laughs> ever. <laughs> another aging superstar of ours, Pablo. It's not injury related. We'll return to him. He's walking out. Josh Warrington ahead of the uh, title defence. It's at the, at the arena again. This one.
3: Who's who's he? Uh, who's he fighting? Uh, Sophie an, Anne, another boxer. Sophie Anne He's fighting <laughs> a woman. <Yeah. laughs> these fights are too easy for him now.
1: I mean, you say it's not injury related, but those uh, are his. Strained calf's going to be able to take a a sprung ring. What? (laughs) A sprung ring. Okay. And then having to lift that belt. Can he? Will he be able to hold that belt above his head all the way into uh, through the crowds? Well, you know, you know that
2: thing where the boxers they have the staring, like staring match beforehand. Mm -hmm. Send Pablo in for that instead of Josh. Pablo looks like a man who's been hit, doesn't he? Just look at those cold, dead, sunken eyes,
1: like a sad Alsatian staring back at you.
2: (laughs) Retired police dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quick word on the under twenty threes then. Never mind the oldies. Uh, they drew their first Premier League Cup game against Birmingham. 0 uh, nil-nil.
1: Not good enough. Yeah, the shit now. Although Sakamore. Put, what, put Eddie Green. Gray in.
2: Put Eddie Gray in. Play the
3: kids. Play the even younger kids. <laughs> Not the the ones that are genuinely children. Eight year olds.
1: <laughs> I think these are the younger kids. I think that's the problem. Yeah, this
3: even is... even Watford couldn't complain about this team, could they? <laughs> no.
1: Although if they looked at Edmondson, they might want um, count like saw his leg off and count the rings, see how old he actually is. But uh, yeah, it's just a bunch of uh, kids, and some of them were very new as well. We had McKinstry and McCarran who've just signed up. So a nil-nil draw is all right. Yeah, the weird thing about the Premier League Cup is it appears to be a league, so it's fine. 0 nil is okay. Nil-nil in the cup, no winners. No <laughs> football. Children, children were the winners.
2: Congratulations to the ladies' team as well, who were also the winners. They progressed to the next round of the FA Cup after goals from Brown to Hunt and
1: Durkin uh, secured a 4-1 win over South Shields. Well done. Five games unbeaten them now. as uh, If you have a look under any of their tweets on the LUFC account, it will all say, have they got a striker for the first team? Have they got a centre-half who can defend? As if we were still uh, in the relegation places. But um, yeah, they're doing all right.
3: That was the first reply under the, um, the picture of Kinnear and Rajazani at the 49ers as well. Have they got any centre backs? <laughs> I didn't did notice that.
2: And finally, we've been picked for TV again. The Reading game is on
1: TV. Is that a midweek one? It always was. It's a little bit confusing so, because we're they, always on. Uh, we're always on, aren't we? Technically, they said on the official website that the uh, the date and time is not changing, and then they put the new kickoff time underneath. it's, so moved, it's moved by
3: fifteen minutes, I think.
1: Yes. So it is changing, just not by much. But, you know, details. But, yeah, if, the, if, the, if they say that the, the time isn't changing and then it is, but they say the date isn't changing, is it? <laughs> Who do I believe?
2: Who knows? But we know that we go there and win 3-0. And Patrick Bamford uh, scores two and probably should get more. No, maybe if he gets all the goals he should have had last time
1: with we were there, we'll win, like,
2: 20. If you want to follow the whereabouts of the Blasphemy Baton, have a look out for Ross Chaplin, who's on Twitter, whose handle is at MasonCooper4. If you don't know what the Blasphemy Baton is, you could just maybe tweet Ross and he'll explain it to you. Um, Red Star Belgrade have got it at the minute. Or to give them their proper name, Michael? Servena Svidsa. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, onto the booze baton then, which will determine where our end-of-season promotion party will happen. Um, Eden J. Harris on Twitter, the guy who's better known by his nickname of Garden, and he came up with this after listening to the blasphemy baton. Basically, it started off in Leeds, that's where the destination would be at the start of the season, and then anybody who defeats the previous team Takes the bat on. It's changed hands quite a few times now. Uh, Ended up in Manchester. We thought it might stay with Manchester City for quite some time and a a night out in Manchester. But incredibly, they lost at the weekend. So Wolverhampton have it. So anybody fancy a trip to Wolverhampton for the end of the
1: season party? I mean, I'm all in favour of uh, these teams going up from the championship and uh, bloodying the noses of the big six because it's what we would like to be doing quite soon. Um, I'm not going to fucking Wolverhampton now. Imagine it
2: is one of the famous luxurious Hamptons that you hear so much about, you know? (laughs) Yeah, there's a there's a chain of hotels. They're
3: building one in Leeds, out to the Hampton Hotel, which is in a very luxurious spot in the old gas works building, mm-hmm. overlooking the uh, the Loop Road. Very nice, beautiful space, it lo- lovely. It is a beautiful it's just like spot. the. Um, is the Hamptons in like the bit of the posh bit of New York? Yeah, it's just yeah.
2: Off, off towards Long Island, I think, isn't it? Coast, nice bit. Yeah. Um, well, I've been researching Wolverhampton, and we could take our. Obviously, we're going to be turning up with an army of several hundred strong Leeds fans who all want to
1: consume alcohol in a safe and responsible manner. I was thinking we could maybe if we want to could maybe go on a training course with the Derby County uh, beforehand, one of their drink aware schemes. We could very successful.
2: We could. Go to Whitewick Manor, which appears to be the number one tourist attraction in Wolverhampton. It's a real gem in the National Trust's estate. Smaller than most of them, mm-hmm. it was sort of saying, but it's a real diamond in there. And a great collection of uh, pre-Raphaelite paintings. I was going
1: to say, it's the one with the, the pre-Raphaelite collection. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, uh, yes. it's, it's, oh, well now, yeah, I hadn't realised that was so near to Wolverhampton. Maybe it is a good idea that we're going there.
2: Or, we could go to Gorgeous Nightclub, where you can encounter, as one reviewer, reviewer described it. Does somebody want to pick up the mantle on this and read what you can find in Gorgeous Nightclub.
3: <laughs> I don't know why I have to read this. It's not It's not me doing it. Def- <laughs> Moscow a- pointed at me in an accusing way then. It's not a confession. <laughs> <laughs> a pervert's following everyone around and harassing them and the bouncer just stood and watched it and never threw him out or gave him a warning. Not the best club anyway. In general, I wouldn't recommend it. That sounds all right. Every club's got a pervert in it. I know. My old man in a suit. Goes in alone. There's always one. Every night, every... Shit Town has, Nightclub has got this man in it, so it's not going to put me off. <laughs>
2: and when we go for the booze
3: baton party, you will be that man. I think what this has raised, though, is I think maybe we need a home and away leg on this, potentially, because it's Wolves play Southampton next and then Slovan Bratislava. Hmm. And I know initially we said it had to stay in England, but imagine if it did end up in, in Bratislava and we weren't able to go even though there was a Ryanair flight for like 40 quid. And we have to go to Wolverhampton when there's Bratislava for forty quid.
1: You probably get a very high class of pervert in Bratislava as well, <laughs> I'd imagine. So that's something that we'd need. I mean, fuck your pre Raphaelite paintings. We've got perverts to watch.
3: But I think Eden is going to track this. Just in, on the off chance it does go, it does go abroad,
1: and we get to, you
3: know, maybe for the, there's a home leg for those on a on a tighter budget or mm. who can
1: only afford one night away. And there's an away leg for uh, people that you can pay for out of your uh, betting winnings.
0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom
2: No games coming up then in this spell because it's the international break. I'm really pleased about that.
1: Why are you pleased about that? Because we can't lose to Millwall again, or Charlton, or any of the shit wank teams. So <laughs> quite the, relieved. And then the players can just heal. The it does. Ones. Well, no, they're going to go and play for uh, like North Macedonia and just it does snap get, all the faces off.
2: It does get a bit dispiriting, doesn't it, when we lose? And some people have said, oh, you knew we were going to lose, so we've got two weeks to stew over it, over the international break. But what it does have the effect of doing is that we, you come back healed. You do, healing is the right word. You heal over the international break and you're ready for it again, particularly because we've got the centenary match after the break.
1: Well, that's it. Next time we see Leeds Night play, they'll be wearing something different. Who knows what? Be nice to know. I mean, it's only fucking two weeks. And yeah, and there'll be lots of uh, like other stuff to distract us from the... Uh, Demoralising four 4-0 defeat to uh, Pep Clotet's Birmingham City. So, so it'll be good.
2: <laughs> what it'll do you go, think just get your photo
1: with the copcat? Fuck the game off.
2: What do you think that kit's going to look like?
3: I actually, I genuinely have no idea. No. Given the the stuff they've produced with the the badge last year and the badge this year as well, like it's I don't know. None of it's gone down a particular traditional route.
1: I went in the club shop the other week actually, and they had Kappa have done some like ring, uh, ringer tees. That are plain yellow with a uh, blue collar and the badge, um, or plain blue with a yellow collar, or plain white. They looked. If any of them had been our kit, probably they would have sold um, hundreds of them or thousands of them. Which is probably why they were I think right. they Probably
3: have sold hundreds of them.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they were right in the front of the shop as well. So I think they were. Um, they were definitely pushing those things. Any of those look great, but it did make me think that those look good. What we're going to wear on the actual day? Hmm, who knows.
2: Probably not platinum and pink, but we will uh, reserve judgment until we see what it is that we are going to be donning. And It is the most important
1: thing. Fuck the result. What's, what are we wearing?
2: I'd be interested to see uh, how much it goes on sale for as well. I guess It's going to upset you, Michael, regardless. I,
1: I won't be having it.
2: It's fair to say. <laughs> Just returning to the international break then, have we got some players who are away on duty? Have we got any full internationals this time? Many,
3: many. Two of uh, Aleofsky and um, Klitsch coming up against each other. Then we've got Tyler Roberts, Dallas... Have gone off for the senior squads. Then Edmondson is um, playing in the Marbella International Cup, which sounds tremendous
1: fun. Eighteen to thirty, holidays, yeah. Isn't it, it? it does.
3: It does have a slight, a slight ring of scandal coming back from this one. I can, I can already sense it. But so he's going to be out for the season, um, <laughs> one way or another. In a
1: Spanish jail,
3: in, yeah, imprisoned in or you know, double leg break after jumping up from a balcony or something. <laughs> then we've got Clark's at the England under twenties, even though he's finished and. Well, I'm actually quite pleased with this because I think we all agree Ben White and Calvin Phillips should be in the the England squad because mm. they're, they're the best uh, central defender and defensive central midfielder in the country, I would say. But they, instead, they're in Iceland having a lovely little time together. Have you
1: seen the Instagram stories? Yeah, they're riding around on scooters and um, cuddling each other in a geyser pool. Or that might have been Calvin and his girlfriend. That I was, that was a, definitely not I only worried. very had a, a very quick look at it. <laughs> But, but yeah, it's it's nice. They've got such a lovely little bromance going on. I'm I'm glad they've got this time. Calvin always does this with a lonely. him and Izzy Brown were uh, were tight last year and then I don't know if it's just he maybe he just likes temporary friends. <laughs> so I'd like to get to know you for a year, but then I'm probably gonna get bored of you after that. So I'll I'll only make friends with the, the season long loans. Totally completely blanking Jack Clark now because he's
2: well I think this this maybe goes one of two ways. It will help cement Ben White's future transfer from Brighton to Leeds, or it will help cement Calvin Phillips' future transfer from Leeds to Brighton. One of the two. God, that'd be depressing. He can't go to Brighton. Uh, We've got Alfie McCalmont in the Northern Ireland. He's in the under twenty one. Same for Niketia in England. Um, I'm interested to see what happens. Click versus Alioski. That's got the the opportunity for some fireworks.
1: Yeah, the... They got away with it in the last international break. They were quite... I think they had a little uh, shirt swap at the end. Um, and, uh, yeah, and Alioski didn't instantly eat Klick's shirt. So um, I think they, they kind of stay a respectful distance from each other on the pitch, which is probably for the best. Because, <laughs> Cleese, it could absolutely get him sent off if he tried. Oh, he's, I mean, if they started winding each other up, then it would be a diplomatic incident, the likes of which... Haven't been seen in that part of Europe for centuries, but um, as long as they uh, as long as they play the game in a fair manner and perhaps on them um, on different sides of the pitch, then it will be okay.
2: On to our heroes and villains now. Then the people who have improved or made our lives slightly worse across the last seven days. I think we've got a fairly obvious candidate for the Ken Bates Villainy Award, which is the one that we pick first. However, before we get to that, we have to. It's the custom that Ken Bates gets the first nomination. He can't win, but we have to nominate him every week. Uh, for a reason. What's Ken been up to this week? Well, (laughs) would you believe, in addition to being a
3: tax exile in in Monaco, and he's a a councilman in Casper, Wyoming, we discovered he's also...
2: Can I just say before you tell us what else he is, there was a guy who I know who messaged me, who I won't name for fear of embarrassing him, on Messenger and said, you do know that's not the same Ken Bates, don't you? (laughs) It's like, yeah, mate. What?
3: (laughs) Well... (laughs) In, he's going to message you again because, <laughs> I mean, I've not I've not checked this out thoroughly, but I can only assume it's the same guy.
1: It is the same guy. It's definitely our Ken. Yeah, just tell him if it's not our Ken Bates, then who is that talking?
3: That's very true. And this and this Ken. Well, it's the same Ken, obviously. Sorry, <laughs> not to not to create the impression they're different people. He's also the vice president of the Humboldt Fishermen's Marketing Association.
1: He's very busy in his dotage, yeah. isn't it?
3: Yeah. Did Ken did Ken once have a rant about fishing?
1: You know? Or was it farming or something? I mean, what did he have a rant about? Come uh, on,
3: Norwegians.
1: Was, or was <laughs> <laughs> He was on every week. He had to fill the, fill the time.
3: But this, he's he's flying in the face of uh, of
2: wind farms. Doesn't want them. Probably not wise, is it? The it'd be, propellers would oh, take your head off. It'd be right in uh, Ken Bates, our Ken Bates' wheelhouse to be slagging off Extinction Rebellion for causing a bit
1: of mischief in London. It's almost a shame that uh, Greth Thunberg has come after his time. That, that would be a, a clash. I almost want to bring him, bring him back from uh, wherever Humboldt is... Um, just for that Ben get Ben Fry together get the old dream team back and take her on
2: on Humboldt FM right um, what's our Ken been saying the problem with with any offshore project
3: (laughs) it takes away all the limited amount of space fishermen can use off the coast yet well organised fishermen and other areas were able to secure some benefits for themselves which
1: they left the young fishermen out in the cold (laughs) So that's the nature of being a fisherman, isn't it? Out in the cold. You're out in the cold, old or young, it's all right. You're
2: disturbingly good at that, by the way. <laughs> well, you can't quite make out what he's saying, but you just generally follow it.
3: I think his actual late Ken interviews had much bigger pauses than that, but we don't have time for it. There were bits where it was like, Ken? Is he still alive? Ken? Oh, no, he's he's just having a break, just having a little
2: pause. <laughs> what else then uh, f- uh, in terms of villainy? I mean, we've got one big one, ov- uh, the obvious one from the weekend.
3: We- one person who's been left out of this is Tom Bradshaw. Mm. Who is the actual cheat in all this? Because it was him that dived. I would say
1: not the only cheat,
3: not the only cheat, but he was the initial cheat. Yeah, I mean the ref. He he may have sent Barardi off for something else, although anyway, and given them a penalty. Even if he'd stayed on his feet, they might have just gone.
1: He probably would have fouled him. He's had. It's been 30 minutes. Barardi off. Yeah, I think he's. And I think Adam Barrett as well. I think don't. I mean, that's his first game as a manager in professional football. Fuck off. Don't do that. Just fuck it. And I, I said after the uh, match ball that Neil Harris is probably coming back. It's all just been like a, a big... The ruse. Yeah, big ruse. Either that or he'll be doing like a long interview, probably. Uh, um, yeah, The Athletic will do like an 8,000-word long read on how he spent his weekend revelling. And by revelling, I mean masturbating furiously over uh, Millwall beating Leeds. The one thing he's going to ever have on his CV. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, this is Neil Harris I'm talking about. Who uh, again
2: the one thing he's ever going to have on his CV
1: and it's not even on his CV it's just um, written all over his face
2: I mean the runaway favourite for this is obviously James Linnington who as we documented earlier on has a long and checkered uh, history when it comes to Leeds United I mean he's winning it
1: yeah it's amazing but it's worth going through the others yeah because the FA, I suppose, are included in Linnington's um, conspiracy. Uh, they choose the referees and they chose him and they continue to employ him and they will probably back him up because they were very unhelpful. We can add to the list of things that the FA have done badly to Leeds. Jordan Stevens, uh, he's coming to the end of his um, his six-week ban for betting on football matches. And uh, you may remember Angus Kinnear said that they were going to ask the FA if rather than being completely isolated from everybody who loves him, he would be able to do some work for the foundation. And he said that the FA's uh, regulatory legal advocates department concluded he could work for the foundation as long as his work was not in the football context. And for clarity, added that if he even helped out in a primary school PE lesson, he would be uh, breaching his suspension. Um, And Sassy Kinnear then came out, clicking his fingers, and said the conundrum of how you can work for a football club's foundation yet not be in football context has proved intellectually insurmountable, and so we have conceded defeat. I mean, the thing there, if you're going to go into a primary school PE
2: lesson, particularly if it's related to gambling, you've got the next generation of gamblers there, haven't you? I mean,
3: the spirit of this rule is that presumably if you... uh, been involved in gambling stuff. You might be passing on information or something. Is he is he whispering in the ears of an eight year old kid, Like throw him within the first sixty seconds. Get on it. We'll make we're going to make sure it happens.
1: And this is all while uh, all the punishments of uh, Mason Bennett and Tom Lawrence, the punishments at Darby are. We're going to force them to work for the foundation because a drink driver, an alleged drink driver, <laughs> is absolutely fine. Send them into the schools to do what, do whatever they want. But some some kid who is barely out of school himself, who's placed 500 quid's worth of bets and now regrets it terribly, keep them away from the children. Who knows what could possibly happen?
2: That's a strong case, actually, and in other weeks might have won this, I think. But in terms of directly impacting our happiness...
1: I've got
3: another nomination still. Um, A late one. The Press. Because I was was looking up um, what they had to say about this... Incident on the weekend at the Telegraph, leaving Millwall's Tom Bradshaw clear on goal before Gaetano Brady was sent off for clipping his heels as he prepared to shoot. No mention of, of what had actually happened there. Sky Sports went in front thanks to Jed Wallace's early penalty, which saw Gaetano Brady
2: dismissed. Can again. I just add to my anger related to that that he took an extra touch on the ball before he went down?
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm going to uh, I'm going to respond to that though. It won't be any good for our listeners, but I'm going to respond with a picture of James Lannington. That's what he says to you. That's his oh, face. Oh, look,
2: his smug face.
1: Smug. But it's the photos of, of him basically doing an almost uh, stop crying face in the middle of a match at a player. It's, a, is a, it like shrug, a, it's a
2: shrug, isn't it? There's the shoulders a shrug. Yeah, big. Yeah. Sh-
1: it's a shrug, but but matched with a bit of a.
2: a Just turn it round again, so I can see that. Look, I, it's, look at his smug hair as
3: well. I've sent you off. Well, speaking of awful pricks, um, the Daily Mail said Millwall took the lead after 15 minutes when Gata Braddy fouled Tom Bradshaw in the area, leading didn't to happen. the dismissal of the Leeds defender. Didn't happen. I didn't see a foul. The Guardian. Uh, the damage was done to Leeds when the guy Tana Brady was sent off for a foul on Tom Bradshaw that resulted in Jed Wallace scoring a 16-minute... No one's mentioning the fact that he didn't fucking touch him on any of these things. I couldn't get into the times because he's behind a paywall, yeah. but I imagine they
2: said the same. The point, though, is that a lot of these reports, they don't even watch the game, do they? Mm. They just
1: report the basic facts based around the, the, the story of the game. I would confess, though, because I you know, I watch games at Ellen drove from the gantry now. I did have a weird moment of uh, separation when... them. Um, Phil Hay, was sitting next to me at the uh, West Brom match and he said to me... Clang. So that's, that's the name dropping. But he said... Wait uh, for it, wait for it. He said, did you see who crossed that? And I had to confess, no. And I said, I have um, Twitter notifications switched on for you so that I know what happens in the games. And then at that moment, because I've also switched them on for Graham Smith, Graham Smith put in and said, oh, it was Harrison Cross. I said, oh, Graham, who is down there, says Jack Harrison. And I felt like an absolute fraud. Which you are. Well, I am, yeah, absolutely, but not as bad as uh, as James Linnington. In the defence of the uh, media as a whole, um, it's unusual to say this, but Sky Sports, when they had uh, um, Dermot Gallagher, who uh, I think we're going to nominate him as a hero, it wasn't just him giving his opinion on the penalty, but he was on a programme with Stephen Warnock, ex-Leeds captain, and Sue Smith, um, ex-Leeds ladies player. And they, all, they were all pretty much in agreement that it was a, a bad decision and uh, shouldn't have been a penalty. So there was, that was quite a curious um, pro leads, but Don Goodman was probably seething in the background, trying to like the, uh, the end scene of the graduate beating his fists against the, the glass. Let me in there, this has to stop. No, Mr. Gallagher, no.
2: Um, and not only that, I mean, Dermot Gallagher, long-time favourite of League United fans and club, but also Keith Hackett had a say, didn't he? Are
3: we Are we just, uh, we don't need to really give the Villainy Award. Oh, it's, well, it was given. Yeah. It was given, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, just just to be clear, we have it, moved on. to we it, it was heroes, given at it?
2: quarter past three on Saturday, it was awarded right then. Yeah, just for the sake of clarity, this is the Andy Hughes Hero Award. Right, on with that. Yeah, Keith Hackett as well. Well, what a very poor piece of officiating. Millwall versus Leeds. Leeds will win their appeal against the red card. No, we won't. Uh, It was not a penalty kick, a clear act of simulation. Then to say it was, uh, denying a goal-scoring opportunity is just stupid. I would sit this ref on his hands for a month. No, what will happen is he'll be vindicated
1: and he will continue refing without interruption. As a better punishment, Steve Evans should sit on his hands for a month. See how he likes that. Seems absolutely fair. Other heroes? Well, Dermot Gallagher as well, who said... uh, I don't think it's a penalty and what I would say is even if it is a penalty I don't think it's a red card because Calvin Phillips will cut him off. When I first read that quote I kind of again it's like half looking at it and thinking that um, Calvin Phillips and Ben White are snogging in an Icelandic lake. Um, (laughs) I thought he'd said um, I don't think it's a red card because Calvin Phillips will cut him in half which I think Dermot is going this isn't just a a pro Leeds um, Sky Sports panel this is this is fully, It's going to get some blood on his boots, going to kill him, but he just said he would cut him off. Um, so yeah, Dermot's on our side, everybody's on our side, basically everybody who isn't in a position of influence is on our side. So over to you, F.A. Which we look forward to you doing
2: absolutely nothing, nothing mm-hmm. whatsoever. Uh, other heroes then?
3: I feel like Berardi should should be nominated just because a lot of people are still blaming him even though he no, didn't do
2: anything. I'm sorry, you can't have that because he got turned. It, it, he, no, he did. That, that situation was of his making,
3: you're not but, having that. But people are blaming him for making a reckless tackle, which he didn't, and yeah. getting sent off again, which he shouldn't have been.
1: And he got turned, he made a mistake, so he was caught out by the header into the box. The punishment for that is not a red card and and you missed the next game. Well if
2: you are to believe some of his uh less favorable Twitter uh, follow um fans, should we say, he uh he should have been flogged
1: at dawn for that. I did look cuz obviously he's hit the the record eighth red card and for um YEP me cuz Bielsa said we should look at whether those red cards were fair or not. So I I had a look through them all and it's like yes, the Acrinson one he he tried to snap somebody <laughs> with both legs. But there's um we got this one shouldn't have been red card. The Rotherham one that I mentioned before when he was remarkably restrained by not ripping Leon Best's head off. He basically just gave him a shove in the chest, which if Leon Best hadn't then gone down like a sack of shit, he probably wouldn't have been sent off. But he was effectively sent off for having his nose broken. And then the one at uh, Bristol, when Matty Taylor pretended to have his nose broken by falling backwards off of Berardi's face. So there's three there that you can instantly knock off. And then the only one that is really outrageous is the Accrington Stanley one the other ones are just because like really fast players go past him and he, he missed times to tackle he's not actually done anything that terrible but it just mounts up and you have this this perception that he's a, how, he's, a uh, he's a liability James Linnington is a fucking liability <laughs> how long has Berardi been with us now um, longer than any other player perhaps other than yeah he's been longer than Cooper how so, long is that uh, five years 2014 so that's what a couple of red cards a season it's not that many is it well, it's too many. And like the, the ones, like those late lunges, you can't dismiss them as as now because we had that period in the uh, the late days of Christensen where uh, he had two uh, yellows against, I uh, can't remember who it was, I think it wasn't Sheffield Wednesday. And then he comes back and then like a month later he gets a red card again against Sunderland. But then at that point, everybody was getting sent off for Leeds. It was the fashion. Everybody was going out. So he's got to get sent off first. And he would, got fully involved in it. Um yeah, it's, it's too damn many, but he's not fucking Roy Keane. He's not set out to actually maim anyone. But I think that's what's frustrating, though. It's, it's a lack of ability that gets him into these situations quite a few times. I mean, this is the hero award. I don't know why you're trying to dismantle the poor, <laughs> oh,
2: no, I mean, the poor Ma- man at this instant. Michael's put forward his case, and I'm just dismantling it. This red
1: card will hopefully get overturned, and then when he gets his eighth one back give it a couple of months, then we can do all this. But I think um, this is the moment to uh, to sympathise for him because this was not his fault. And also, you know, when's he going to get some luck? Because to have the 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 Derby County one in the playoffs pissed a lot of people off, but then he got kicked twice in the build-up. And again, a sensible referee or a more sensible player would have responded to that in, in different ways. And it was after a really good performance in the first leg, and then this—he was brilliant when he came on for for Cooper against West Brom on Tuesday. And then what happens in the next like, match is he is basically comes up against an absolute fuckwit referee. Um, <laughs> All right, um, okay, I'll,
2: I'll back off him. I a would bit. love,
1: I would love Barardi to just have two ninety-minute matches in a row where he's really, really good because he is capable of it. Mm-hmm. Who uh, else have we got for heroes?
3: Be Elsa, just because he's, he's he sounds a bit upset. After the game when he was... But always we're trying to explain why what we want doesn't happen. Maybe that impacts on the tolerance of people who are listening to this kind of justification. It's a man who's giving up.
2: As you said, in the match ball, Moscow, everyone's fed up of hearing it.
1: Yeah. And so, yeah, I would back that Hero Award. And then also we should nominate uh wallony uh, of uh, Brussels... Who, who are, is that a person, a club? What is it? <laughs> I mean, it'd be great if it was a person. I might change my name, never mind uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I was what just going to
2: say, didn't, <laughs> didn't this
1: person write Fleabag here? <laughs> panathlon Walloon Brussels. Um, they appear to be a, a Belgian organisation that promotes fair play in sports, and they've basically hopped on uh, FIFA's bandwagon and pitched up at Elland Road to give um, Bielser another award, at uh, which he said the, the same speech, which does make me think maybe we should Should we just like the square ball fair play organisation and we go down and say, oh, we'd, we'd really like to give Marcelo Bielsa a, a fair play award and just like hang out with him for a while. Um. It's going to take a couple of hours and we'll we'll probably need to just like talk to him throughout. Mm.
2: I mean, looking at the candidates there and assuming we've got no other ones to add to that because it's been a fairly lean week. Nobody else? No. Nah. Right, so we've got Berardi who got turned for the goal. He's not having it. He didn't get turned for the goal. Well, he got turned for what led to the penalty
1: in the goal. Some, yes, there was something happened in a football match. <sighs> he, he still got turned. And so I'm not prepared to allow him to have that. The only defender who's ever been turned in the history of football. Wouldn't Dem- have happened to Beresi. I've got to find all the... I'll do a, <laughs> do a, video. I'll do a Bailey Peacock-Farrell on fucking Franco Beresi every time he got turned. Right, uh, we've also- And every time he got sent off. How many times did Beresi get sent off? Dermot Dem- Gallagher, it
2: up, probably been none. are you saying that uh, he's the same as Beresi? no Uh, they sound similar Dermot Gallagher and Keith Hackett they're referees they can't have it because they're referees yeah probably right Yeah, Uh, Bielsa can he have it because he's seen another defeat I don't think he can just because he feels a bit sad it's his job to make us feel less sad so he can't have it which leaves so we're giving it to some made up Belgians Panathlon Walloni Brussels is that who Uh, I guess so (laughs) (laughs) I don't see why not it's absolutely fine well done whatever or whoever you are (laughs) Pretty much brings this one to a close then. Uh, grab yourself a subscription on our website and links to the merchandise on there as well if you want to get yourself a mug, a hoodie for the winter weather uh, or a t-shirt. And most importantly, subscriptions to The Extra Ball, our other podcast, which helps us do all this nonsense and keep it going. If you want to get involved, 2 99 a month, your first month free, everything you need at thesquareball.net. Going to be looking forward to having a little bit of downtime, not getting so emotionally fraught over the international break. I kind of... Missed the football at the moment. It's
3: it's like we were saying earlier about having a break. It's definitely not like the end of the ho- hecking bottom era where the season finished and I thought, thank fuck, I don't have to go and watch any more of that. I'm actually, I, I want us to get back on
1: this. I know we've got it in us. We can be good again. I think the break might be useful for that. Just give us a little time, a little time away from each other so that we don't have that twice weekly press conference with uh, with Bielsa saying, well, you saw it. Um yeah, and then come back with uh, refreshed and ready to uh, destroy Birmingham City.
2: As we enter our 101st year, well, we look forward to it. Thanks for listening to this one. And we'll be back on episode 152. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in a bit. The Square Ball Podcast.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods